Hello and welcome to Connected episode 436. It's made possible by our sponsors, Indeed Electric and Clean My Mac X. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello, Fetty friend. Hello, Fetty buddy. (laughs) Fetty buddy, we'll get to that a little later on. No Federico, no actual Fetty today. Fetty's not here. Where is Federico today? Should we we make up a story about where he is today? He was running Ethernet. Uh Uh-huh through his apartment and um attacked by a snake attacked by a snake an internet snake <laughs> which was on fire which <laughs> all of these things have happened in federico's life snakes and fires but he has he has fast internet but unfortunately is dealing with a snake bite so it's a bummer mm-hmm. hopefully he'll be back next time but we'll find out on connected episode 432 i asked people to send me nice letters to the p.o box uh-huh. Haven't gotten any in a couple weeks, just saying, putting that out there. But we then joked about ice sculptures. I had to go back and find this and listen to it, where I was like, send a nice letter. And then you're like, send an ice letter. Well, <laughs> and then we talked about ice sculptures, I think. Yeah, because then you were trying to encourage an ice swan. And then we were saying, well, I was saying to you, please don't do that, because then we will lose the P.O. box. Yeah. Because it's dripping on the on the P.O. box below us. Well, no, just because the person would get angry <laughs> at you for doing that. I just renewed it. I just uh, I just paid paid for it again. Uh, but Great. someone sent me a 3D printed swan with an ice letter engraved in the base of it. I got a picture of it in the show notes. It's here on my desk. I love it. It's an all time great. This is an all time great. This is like. Fantastic. Do you have a name for this person? So I was not given permission to share their name. Uh, like I wasn't just the first name. I wasn't told not to share their name. And it, this is use a first name. Well, so here's the thing: on the label, it was just a Twitter handle. Oh, and that Twitter handle, I don't think has a name associated with it either. So I would just say, oh, well, that's not a, good. An amazing listener. I opened it and I squealed with delight like a child on Christmas. I was so excited. So good. This is so good. This is super good. I'm very proud of this person. Mm-hmm. You know? It's sitting right next to my uh, my tricky on my desk. That's fitting. It is. So thank you very much, dear dear listener. You know, the rest of you, come on. I need some letters. Ice sculptures. Mike, you have made a decision about the Fediverse. So have you. So have I. But we're going to talk about you first. Uh, no, we need to talk about you first. <laughs> I think because <laughs> my decision was informed by you, so okay. it makes most sense for you to go first. Okay, so I had uh, I set up a Mastodon social account like in 2018, and had kind of been reading a little bit, like dipping my toe in the water. Uh, we we talked a lot about this. I don't necessarily want to rehash the whole history, but in a nutshell, one I want I think both of us wanted to take a break from that form of social media, but over the last couple of weeks, I sort of. My mind has started to change about that a little bit, and I wanted to be more involved in the community there. But I wanted—I didn't want to stay on the large server I was on. Nothing against Macedon.social. Like, I don't really know much about it, which honestly was part of the problem. And so uh, over the weekend, I set up eWorld.social uh, using a, uh, a service called Mastohost. Jason spoke about this on Upgrade. You can pay them monthly, and basically it's like Mastodon server as a service. And, you know, I could run my own on Linode or, you know, various other places, but at least for getting started, I was like willing to pay a service to, to make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then migrated my account over, which is I would 
I would compare moving a Mastodon account between instances, like swinging through the jungle. Like you have to let go of the vine you're on to catch the next vine sometimes. Yeah, it's really weird. Like you sent me a great article and it was very clear about the way you did it. And so like following that article, it was easy, but it's strange. Like it is very strange to me. So one of the things, you may not know this, if you move from server to server, you can export the people that like you can export a bunch of data but you can also in making the transfer you kind of force everyone to follow the new account mm-hmm. like there's kind of nothing you can do about it as a person which is very helpful right like for for me and you moving from instance to instance but it is also like one of these things where it's like that feels like it is a a, a technology decision made with like rose tinted glasses on because I could amass a huge following and then just, like, sell it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and, like, just transfer it to someone else. And now you're all following Scrub Daddy, like, in yeah. their social media presence, <laughs> oh, right? Scrub Daddy needs a... I don't, uh-huh. don't want to hear from Scrub Daddy's Scrub lawyers. Scrubdaddy.social. <laughs> Scrub. So, yeah. At, wait, did you say Scrub at Daddy.social? I said Scrub Daddy.social, but... Mm. You know, scrub, scrub it. Daddy. Is daddy da- I'm just gonna in a new tab. Daddy. There's no way. Da- daddy is a, is a is a TLD. Daddy. If social. you do not understand why we're talking about this right now, I'm gonna put an episode of Ingenious uh, in call. the show notes for you. Scrub Daddy has become like an important part of mine and Steven's shared identity relationship. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you don't know what Scrub Daddy is, this episode of Ingenious will also help you with that. Mm-hmm. Daddy. Social is not for sale. Daddy online is $720. Oh, I thought you were looking for like scrub.daddy. Daddy.fun is $1,400. Scrubdaddy.social is available, by the way, as Mike is pointing out. We're, we're off course. Can we okay. come back? Yes. Yes. The, the migration is weird. People get a notification that you're following them again. Because when you do it, your followers come with you. And then you export the list of people you follow and import that to your new server. And it, it takes a little yep. while. You know, mine took, I don't know, a day or so to kind of sync back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, I have my account with everyone I was following. And I think everyone who was following me just at ismh at eworld.social. And I wanted to run my own server for a couple of reasons. One, it's like I should probably understand this better in terms of the company, which we'll get to in a minute. But also... I like having a domain for something that, you know, that I'm on, that I, I don't control the service, right? I'm paying someone to run the service, but the domain is mine. And I don't know, I mean, Mastodon Social is like the official one, I think, like run by the Mastodon people. But if that server does something that I don't agree with or like becomes poisoned in the eye of the community or something, it was like, well, if I run my own, I kind of avoid all of that complication. And that was attractive to me. So, but you... I've also just decided to be on Mastodon, though, right? Like, it's not just about running. Because you, I think I think last time we spoke on the show, like, we, neither of us were using it. It was yeah. just, like, like actively. Yeah, like like I said, my, my mind has changed a little bit on that over the, um, over the next, or over the last couple of weeks, really just feeling like I want to be more plugged in to the community that's there. Um, mm-hmm. I was really unsure, like, let's say two months ago that Mastodon was going to like be the thing. 
And to be clear, it's not the thing in the wider world, right? Like Mm-mm. sports Twitter, entertainment Twitter, all that's going along like nothing ever happened, right? But the community that we are a part of and that amazingly Relay is like a, a, a pillar of the community, at least in, at least I hope so, um, that community has moved basically to Mastodon. Um, there's still people on both and there's still people on Twitter and I'm not judging anyone's decisions about any of that. But it became clear to me over the last couple of weeks, like this is where sort of uh, our community is. And I kind of made the decision that I did want to be uh, a part of it. Now, I'm, I'm still, as I think you are, being very, not careful, but very restrained in my use of it. So like really not reading my timeline all that much currently. Yeah, sending a few replies, but mostly just kind of tweeting funny Apple stuff posting or tooting posting mm-hmm. fun apples weird stuff so yeah that's where i am with it like my mind has changed a little bit and honestly being able to manage it myself with like a, a funny domain that i pay for uh helped with that a little bit i think so you are now on eworld.social that's right yeah, it's me and five fill pixels are, are there uh so i am now i mike on mike.social nice uh, I went with that because I know me, and if I tried to come up with a joke, I would change it every three months. So I decided to just go with Mike.social. I think what you have done is great, but if I would have gone down that route and picked something that I thought was funny or entertaining in some way, it would only last until the time that I'd come up with a new one, and mm-hmm. I don't want to keep moving from server to server. Yeah. And so what I also wanted to do was restrain myself from, like, wanting to create more accounts or whatever on this server that I'm running. So it's just me, right? Mm-hmm. Just Mike.social, like that's what I'm doing. Uh, I set up, I did what you did, went with Masterhost, the whole thing. And similarly to you, I did this because if I can own my own domain for something, I'll do it. Um, it's also easier to tell people where to find my Mastodon account rather than the absolutely, abjectly, unequivocally horrible way that Mastodon domains are formatted. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, why is there an app in the domain? Like, I don't <laughs> understand why that needs to be there. Don't tell me. I just don't think, I just don't understand why it needs to be there. So it's just easier for me if I say go to mike.social and it, and it's just me, yep. right? It's like easier to find um, is my expectation. Uh, but yeah, I find it's much more complicated to tell someone where to find you on Mastodon than it is on other social networks. I mean, I understand that because of the nature of their being, multiple servers but it, i think it would just be if i was like mike.social slash imike would just be like that's just neater why does the at need to be there anyway i was planning not to join mastodon right i spoke about this very publicly like wasn't gonna do it not interested and there was over the last couple of months there's there has been something which i felt like was missing where i didn't really have a comfortable place to talk about the work that i'm doing which mm-hmm. i think was and is an important part of me being on Twitter. I tried to reference some things and some shows as like follow out and stuff, but it just never felt like it fit right. It felt too, um, it felt like I was kind of just like squeezing a bit of promotion for me inside of a show, which I did not enjoy. And so I, that had been bouncing around in my brain. I was also feeling like the community was embracing Mastodon in a way that I did not expect. Like, the follower numbers that some of our friends have got right now, like 
are quite large, like way larger than I expected them to be. So it's making me realize that like more than I expected, our community is there and like wants people to be there. Um, and I would say that in the last 24 hours, I have felt that feeling like people seem to be very appreciative of me joining Mastodon, which is a very lovely feeling, actually. Yeah. Um, it's kind of been a nice reset point considering I got quite jaded with Twitter, right? And so, like, I don't know. It's just nice to, to feel that kind of thing. But th- basically, you said to me, we have a call every Monday, uh, and you said to me on the call, uh, I think it is a responsibility for us to be on the platform. And that was really bouncing around in my brain. And I was like, okay, like, I can find a way to make this work and to hopefully share things that people want to see from me, what they're interested in um, and what I'm up to. And I'm just, my one of my biggest issues with Twitter is me, right? It's like how I use the service and I don't think I was using it in a healthy way. It's me. Um, and so I've cut the ways that I've used Twitter. I'm going to keep my following list very small. I was following over a thousand accounts on Twitter. Um, and I'm probably going to, I'm I have, I'm following like 40 people now and I want to keep it that low. Um, and I'm also setting some time limits. Like I, I have a 15 minute app time limit at the moment per day to use Ivory. Um, and I'm probably going to try and keep it to that. And so that gives me enough time to just, pop in, read my timeline, uh, look at any mentions that I've got and, and leave. And like, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm planning to do. And I'm also like, for me, like I, I've come to really love and appreciate our feedback forms. And so I'm going to keep like pushing people. That is the best place to give feedback for my shows. Like if you want to send me follow-up links, whatever, just send it to the appropriate show feedback form. It's way better. It's, it's better for you and better for me. Right. And I'm going to keep, asking for that but twitter's there for like i'm gonna if you <laughs> twitter mastodon's there if you want to see what i'm up to um and i hope something i genuinely hope is that like i will be able to again get to a point where i feel like i can just share fun little quips because i i felt like i couldn't do that anymore on twitter i don't know why but you know i just felt like it wasn't something that i was able to do anymore yeah and i'm hoping that like i can maybe try and reset that a little bit because you know i i see you do it and i'm kind of like oh man that looks like fun you know so yeah like the thing about how iowa 7 is 10 years old this year exactly (laughs) which is a nice thought it's horrifying is what it is So that's 10 years since our first WWDC, right? Yes, it is. That was our first one. Wow, that's horrible. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel worse than it being iOS 7's decade anniversary, but the decade anniversary of my first and your first. It was your first, right? You've been to MacWorld, but not WWDC. That's right. Yeah, I went to MacWorld 2012, and then WBC 2013. So yeah, we're both on Mastodon. We're like, we're trying to like make this work for our lives and stuff, you know. And uh, I speak for both of us to say like thank you to everybody that has been so kind in welcoming us to the Don. I would like to I would like to at this point offer a formal apology to One True John. Oh, who I found out listening to the App Stories Pro Show that I stole the Don from him. That a few days earlier in our group text, he had been calling it the Don. And then I rolled in to connect it and start referencing the Don. So I would like to apologize to one true John 
for stealing the Don. However, he has said I can use it and keep it. So I am. Uh, thank you, John. That's good. One true Don. Uh, and so yeah we're we're both now on the dawn thank you to everybody that has been so kind in welcoming us to the dawn and uh you can find our accounts i guess in uh in the show notes if you want to follow us this leads to an inevitable question about what we're going to do with the network Mm. i don't have the answer to that yet my thought is that if masto host works well for both of us for a little while and jason's using it with many more users than we are uh, I mean, I've got two accounts. You have one, right? It's not really pushing it. Um, looking at creating a, a relay instance just for the shows and the network. I don't want to have humans there in terms of... Yeah, like I a, don't want my account to be on the relay I don't either. instance, for example. Because it's, you know, my thoughts are not those of my employer. You know what I mean? And like, I'm making a joke, but like, I actually do feel that way. It's like, it feels... I don't know. There's just something about it. Like, we're both individuals as well as we are part of the company. Mm-hmm. I, I think it makes more sense for us to have our own places and then also Relay can have, like, a more official place for itself. Yeah, so we, we made up doing that. Mm-hmm. Doing our own was definitely is a bit of an experiment on how that would work. But, yeah, it would be the mm-hmm. show, you know, shows that wanted to use it because, you know, we don't... Very rarely do we like have an edict for all of our shows. It's like, hey, we built this. Like, if you want to use it, it's awesome. If not, that's cool too. Like the feedback form, right? Like, not all shows are using the feedback form, and that's fine. Relay is a confederation of, of podcasts uh, in a lot of ways, and so uh, we'll see how that goes, and we'll keep people posted. I mean, for now, connected and Relay are both on Mastodon social. Uh, some of the other shows are, are various places, and um, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where we are with it. Yeah, we don't have an answer for that part right now. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Indeed. When it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut some help? When you want to find top talent and you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. It is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. This means you don't have to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills. You can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. If you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Instant Match is really cool. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job and the candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. So join more than the 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. Visit Indeed.com connected to start hiring now. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot connected. Indeed.com connected. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of Connected and Relay FM. So Google and Mozilla are both rumored uh, via 9to5, the 9to5 properties. There have been some reporting <laughs> going on. It's like across 9to5 Mac, Google, etc. That they are both making new versions of their iOS browsers that use their own web engines. So all browsers on iOS have to use WebKit. So Chrome uses WebKit. Like it's all people are allowed to use. 
but it seems that these iOS that these companies are, are, are making versions, putting resources into making versions of their iOS apps that use their own browsers. So, what's the new Chromium one? What is it called? I just it's jumped out of my mind. Blink. Yeah, Blink. I think. Yeah, and Gecko for Mozilla, right? Um, they're doing this in anticipation of Apple either being forced to or deciding to drop the WebKit requirement. Uh, this is because of antitrust pressure in the U.S. and the Europe. In Europe, it's like continuing to mount. Specifically, in the U.K., this has been called out by the Competition and Markets Authority. I want to read a quote because I actually, I don't know. This felt like one of those things where I was like, where I feel like it's quite rare where something that comes from a legislative body actually feels informed. Like, you know, like a lot of times you read these things in tech and it's like, do these people have any idea? Right. So, very very so famous, famously right. A congressperson asked Mark Zuckerberg how Facebook makes money. He's like, sir, we run ads. It's like, okay, let's. Or like when people ask them how to like turn off their iPhone or whatever. Yeah, nonsense, you know, exactly. Like stupid stuff like that. So it says, Apple bans alternatives to its own browser engine on its mobile devices, a restriction that is unique to Apple. The CMA is concerned this severely limits the potential for rival browsers to differentiate themselves from Safari, for example, on features such as speed and functionality, and limits Apple's incentives to invest in its browser engine. The restriction also seriously inhibits the capability of web apps, depriving consumers and businesses of the full benefits of innovative technology. Just like it makes, it is, they're right, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it it feels like it stops some uh, PWAs from being as effective as they could potentially be, which is obviously something Apple would want, right? (laughs) Yeah, come to our app store. And it does stop, like, Google, for example, to be able to tout some benefit of Blink on on iOS, on, like, on all of the platforms that it's available on. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing to think about. Like, this is what Microsoft got in trouble for, right, in a way. I know that they were, like, it was browser-related, but they were, like, defaulting the browsers, right? You had to, you had to use Internet Explorer. So it's just, like, weird to me. It's, like, all of the things that Apple does, like, why do they... Why do they care about this part so specifically? You know what I mean? Like it's very strange. But this is just part of the million things that they're that they're probably going to have to do. I, th- I I think you have to remind me. Was this part of that report? I think from Mark Gurman, where he was talking about like Apple needing like considering like opening up at this WWDC. Was it, browsers part of that? It was um, okay. And if you go back in time. When Apple first had this, you know, it's been part of iOS from the beginning, right? From the beginning of the App Store, you could not, uh, could not have your own uh, browser engine there. They said it was about uh, security, right? That browser engines run code, and you don't want to have uh, someone else's code running on on the device. But mm-hmm. in the what, how many years has it been since the App Store? Say 23, uh, 15 years since the App Store. There's been a lot of progress in terms of browser security. And I think they are at a point now where it it, it does very much feel like an anti-competitive move. Uh, I'm, I think it's very exciting. Um, I think in particular, what I'm going to be looking for if this happens is, does this allow Chrome or Firefox or, you know, the Arc browser? There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of innovation happening 
on the desktop browser space, which is a weird thing to say in 2023, but it but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Jason spoke about the Arc browser on Upgrade Plus this week in particular, mm-hmm. but it is not happening on the iPhone. It's not happening on the iPad, right? You have some interesting things like Chrome is there, and I use Chrome on the desktop, and I um, and I've got Chrome on the phone for like my history and tabs to be there, but I end up using Safari because of the browser extensions because I do run a content blocker and I have like uh, uh, one that like forces websites into a dark mode if they don't have their own and, you know, various things. One password, you know, is a great Safari plugin on the iPhone and iPad, but those aren't available in third-party browsers. So what I'm hopeful is not only can they bring their rendering engines, but maybe they can also bring some of these other features and really, be competitive because I think on the desktop, uh, Apple really pushes Safari. I mean, every single WWDC going back to the first one where Safari was introduced, they talk about how fast it is, all the features they're bringing. It's a core part of their messaging every single year. And it's in part because they're going up against Chrome and others who are also doing a lot of innovative things. But again, on the iPhone and iPad, it's not just there. And so I'm hopeful that if this happens and you can get like the full Chrome experience on the iPhone and on the iPad or the full Firefox experience, whatever your browser choice is, that it will continue to push Apple to make Safari better and better where they really haven't had. I mean, honestly, they really haven't had real competition on the iPhone. Not really because of all these limitations. And so I I really hope that we see this come to pass in in you know this WWDC and I think it'd be good for them from this legal perspective too right Apple loves to die on certain hills and and okay this is a hill they probably shouldn't die on and so if they're willing to give in and and make this uh, policy change that's all it is it's just a policy right there's nothing yeah I almost said physically but that's not really right there's nothing that I'm aware of like on a technical level, why you couldn't run another browser engine on iOS like or they iPadOS. They can still, like it's so few companies, right? Like yeah. they can still work with them and be like, all right, we're going to like, we're going to allow this, but these are the security rules. Yeah. Like, and I think they should do that. And my guess is yeah. they probably will, you know, maybe it'll be like CarPlay, you know, car, you know, you can't just write a CarPlay yeah. app. You have to have an entitlement for it. I could see them going that route. And yeah, that's probably good. So like, random person on the internet doesn't make a browser that's actually like taking all my information and, and selling it to mm-hmm. you know some some nefarious group that's probably mm-hmm. a good thing to do here mm-hmm. but uh clearly the time has come for them to do something and i'm cautiously optimistic that it, that it will go well because there are what like three companies that have their own engines now probably like opera does opera still have its own engine i think it does i think and mozilla and so. google because Microsoft uses Blink or Chromium, right, mm-hmm. for Edge. Like, so they're, they're so few. They could just get all these companies in a room, right? Like, apparently, Ryan says Opera is Chromium as well. So it's like that. there's three companies and Apple's one of them. Like, they can work this out. Yeah. I mean, realistically, they could just work with Google if they wanted to, right? Sorry, sorry, Mozilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This and maybe be in time for a new version of Edge to come to iOS featuring ChatGPT. Oh, I see what you did there. We were on one topic. Mm-hmm. 
now we're on Into another the topic. Next one. This is a segue. Yes, this is this is super interesting. I'm on the wait list. Mm-hmm. I have. I think you are too. I don't think any of us have gotten to play with it yet. But no. I spent the morning watching and listening to a bunch of stuff about this. There's an excellent interview that Neelai Patel did with Sacha Nadella on uh, the Decoder podcast, which is just great. But love Decoder. It's so Decoder is great. I I mm. really. I mean, honestly, like Apple, Google. And Microsoft all have three incredibly impressive CEOs to me. Like, I like all three of them. And I think all three of them mm-hmm. are doing interesting things in their own way. But what Microsoft has done, they made this big investment into OpenAI. And they are basically bringing chat GT, GPT, GTP, yeah, CGP, mm-hmm. chat CGP Gray as a, <laughs> as a, <laughs> like a parallel track in the Bing search engine. So you can go to uh-huh. Bing and you could search, you know, what year did the 20th anniversary Mac come out? And it will, you know, probably lead you something on Wikipedia or something on 512 pixels. And then in addition to that, you'll be able to chat with the AI to, for further information. And what they're doing is they're still using the the basis that we know as the, serv- as the services now, but they're infusing it with information from their search engine. And, the what they are saying this will be able to do is provide even better answers to queries. It will allow you to explore that information while still uh, making sure that publishers are still getting traffic because w- this is a very sticky point in search engine land, especially when it comes to Google, right? If you search Google for certain things, they have these information boxes that come up and Bing does it too, to a degree of, oh, I don't actually need to go to a website to read when the 20th anniversary map came out because it just puts it in a box and tells me. And maybe there's a little hyperlink at the bottom that says source, and I can click on that, and then I can go read Stephen's article. But 99.9% of the time, people are just going to read the information and leave. And uh, Yelp in particular, I think it's sort of led the charge against Google in this. of like, look, don't just scrape our data and portray it as your own, right? So Microsoft mm-hmm. is saying... We are being very intentional about when the AI or when the search engine surfaces data, you're going to know where it came from, and it's going to be easy to go back to the source. And uh, I think that's uh, I think that's very important. And I'm and- intrigued to see, like you know, in the interview with with Neelai, he's like, "We're going to have like a KPI on this, right? Like about how much traffic we're sending." So he seems like you know, at least they seem of all the companies doing this kind of stuff. This feels like from the top down, the most focused on trying to make sure that where the information is coming from is still given some kind of credit and and revenue right you go through go to ads and then ads are generated on the website everyone's happy but i think we have to wait and see how that goes because i don't know what you do when you google things but if i google something and it gives me the answer at the top of the page i don't click the website like no, i've no. got the answer and this just feels like it's going to do that even more like way more detailed so i'm intrigued to see how that's gonna shake out seriously you know and he was saying that like oh if traffic's going down we're gonna tweak the way that we what i mean i believe him me too but at the same time i want to see how that actually goes yeah like this is all of this stuff is like such sticky territory right now it is but for me 
personally, and you know, if you've listened to episodes of Cortex in the last few months, you'll understand that I'm very skeptical of this technology. However, if I'm going to trust a company to do this, I think it actually might be Microsoft. I don't know why, but I feel like (laughs) it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and they're incentivized to do it correctly because they're so far behind. And and I think they're incentivized to take this really seriously. And if you listen to the interview, or I mean, he he did a bunch, he's done a bunch of press stuff over the last 24 hours, like go consume any of it. They're deadly serious about this. And they're really serious about taking market share from Google search. And is this the way they do that? I don't know. Like is, is the chat bot revolution going to change everything in computing? I don't think so. Probably not, No. but they have to try. And I think out of the, the various things that have come and gone over the years, uh, this is potentially the most interesting and combining it with a search engine. Yeah. There's obvious downsides. The biggest one, we've talked about it before these services are very confident even when they're completely wrong. And they're hoping to, by infusing it with search engine information, giving it better data so it can be confident and right instead of confident and like talking yeah. about nonsense. And so uh, we'll see how it goes. Like, I'm excited to get in on the wait list and see how this goes. They're also bringing it to Edge, the browser. And so it can help mm-hmm. you in various places around the web to... Uh, to get certain tasks done. Now that, at least from what I've read and listened to, is a little more hand wavy in terms of exactly what that's going to look like and what it will be able to do. I think the focus, I think the important thing is bring it to Bing, but it is very interesting and it clearly has Google spooked because they rushed out this announcement about their version of this that they've been working on internally and um, you know, they, they like rushed that out the day before the Microsoft announcement. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, that feels like a move out of weakness or out of fear, and that was very interesting to me. They didn't really have a choice, though. No. Right, because Microsoft... Okay, so two things. Satya Nadella, love him. He is a stone-cold killer. Like, this guy... Like, some of the stuff that he says in this interview, I was I was going, oh, my God. Like, there's one... I think he says... Like, I, I can't... I was just trying to find it, but... Uh, Neilai says something along the lines of 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 the like fighting with Google about this and like if you know if they think he's gonna they're gonna beat Google and he references how like they're bringing Google to the dance on this one and yeah. like if what you remember <laughs> afterwards is they did that like I was like oh my god said like he and I just loved the way he's like we have a great you know relationship with Google we have a great partnership with them. Uh, we want to take some of their market share. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. ah, he is like, he's he is unbelievable. This guy is unbelievable, right? Like in general, I think he is overlooked, at least in our community, a lot of the times because Microsoft isn't necessarily doing things that are interesting to the type of stuff that we talk about. But like you think about what he has done to that company, he has completely changed the company and everything that it does and everything it's focused on. And this is perfect because they did this partnership with OpenAI basically gave them Azure for free. They used they then used OpenAI and what they needed for OpenAI to build their own Azure AI product, which they will sell you. Then instead of buying OpenAI, which they probably could have done, but they knew, this is so smart, that anti, it wouldn't get through antitrust, they've basically just locked them in. 
They gave him a huge investment, which has got all of these weird, like, you know, like once the money's paid off, which OpenAI may never do, right? Because mm. uh, it's complicated for that company to try and make money, I think, over time. But they probably will, but who knows? But even then, like, it converts to a large share that Microsoft then have in it. Like, but and this way, he can just go ahead and do this now, where if they tried to buy them, it would get locked up in antitrust like, uh, regulation, and then Google would be able to come in with their thing. But this way, he's like, I know what we'll do. And now, like, immediately, here it is, and Google is now backed into a corner because everything was being said that Google didn't want to do this because they're scared. Like, yeah. they're worried about what their reputation will be like if their AI starts doing strange things or gives wrong information. Both of them it will do. But this kind of stuff's not going to hurt Bing because nobody trusts Bing anyway. <laughs> So like, this is genius. This is a checkmate move on Google. And like and I have no idea. Like this is interesting to me because I have no idea what's gonna come next after this. But like it feels like if they can get this out quick enough, the situation is going to change. Because if you can go to Bing to talk to the AI, that is gonna really upset Google. And yeah. it's gonna upset OpenAI in general, right? Because everyone likes to go to the OpenAI website for this. But like you just go to Bing, you just start talking to the AI, and also you can have this, like as you say, in the Edge browser, it's just like they call it a co-pilot, which is a thing they also have in GitHub for like AI of helping you write code. This has been around for a little while. But they have it in Edge, and it will just pop up, and it will give you more context for the websites that you're on. Man, it's very smart. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's really, and it comes up in the Decoder interview, but he has taken Microsoft from a Windows-centric, basically the Windows company, Windows and Office, right? Which is what they were under Gates, but in particular, Balmer. And mm -hmm. They tried mobile and they, remember they bought Nokia and then oh, yeah. <laughs> sold it for like 10 cents on the dollar? Wild times. But he has really taken Microsoft to a place where they are an application and services company. I think you mentioned this, but basically all of these AI tools that we've all been playing with, basically all of them run on Azure services, right? That is a huge business for them. It's like we build Office. It's on every single platform, right? Uh, Teams is everywhere. They're, they're, we didn't even mention it. They're also building this into a new version of Teams where it can do things like help you schedule oh a God. meeting. Yeah, it's like, I missed that part. But if I could just give one very slight, you, I'm not saying you're wrong, but like they... It's it's a big business for them the OpenAI stuff because because they've been able to do it. But OpenAI is not given Microsoft a penny. Like it's right. all of this has been free to them, which is another Galaxy Brain move, mm -hmm. right? Just like oh no, don't worry about it. Here's some credits. It's fine. Yeah. And now what are you gonna do? It's, it's yeah. just like yeah, yeah this but, is next level. Stuff. But I really just mean they're looking at looking beyond their own platforms, right? There is mm -hmm. a version of there's a version of the timeline where this is like a Windows 11 feature, and that's it, right? But like, yes. no, we have these other businesses outside of Windows, outside of the PC, that are the browser, right? Edge runs everywhere. Teams runs, I mean, every, you can get a toaster that runs Microsoft Teams, I think. Like, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that is that is really what he's been able to do, and one reason I, I really respect the job he's done at Microsoft, because he has totally re-, re 
defined what Microsoft does. And if this is successful, then it's like a cherry on top of everything they've been able to do the last few years. Yeah, I, there is. This is an arms race now. Like, and it's it's it felt like it was going that way anyway. Like, oh, clearly all these companies are going to start focusing on this now. But it seems to have accelerated at a breakneck pace in like the last four days. Because this was like a surprise event that Microsoft did, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were just like, we're doing this event about AI. And then Google's like, oh, no, (laughs) right? Because everyone knew this was going to happen. Like it was obvious that it was going to happen. My assumption, though, is that Microsoft would move slowly. Like I thought this was going to be months until they announced something, like, at, you know, after the open AI investment. But it seems like they had already been working on it. Mm-hmm. So they were ready to go. And so now Google's had to be like, well, we're also doing this. Yeah, I, this, it, like, and look, it's very, I believe that Google has the best chance at being the best version of this because of the amount of data that they have. But it's whether they are willing to let the reins off in a way that OpenAI does, I think, sometimes. And I, I don't know that they will. So, yeah, it's fascinating. So everything is going to have an AI, but also everything is a computer. This is okay. this is what I've learned this week. So I was, I was scrolling through RSS the other day, came across this Mac Rumors article. I was going to read the headline to you. Apple releases new MagSafe Duo firmware. Remember the MagSafe Duo charger? It was the it's the white one that like folds open like a clam, and you can mm-hmm. put your phone as long as it's a certain size phone on one side, and an Apple Watch on the other as long as it's a certain size Apple Watch, and uh, charges them both. And you have to have like a yeah. thirty watt adapter, not the twenty nine because twenty nine won't do it. It's the product with the most asterisks ever, right? I know. Like yeah, you have to have the right product and the right charger to get the charger to work. Mm-hmm. I we own one of these. I got it because Mary wanted something like really compact to like leave in a like her backpack. Mm-hmm. And so I got her one and it's, it's not great. Uh, I regret spending the money on it and it, it, it just lives in our house and in her backpack, I guess. But uh, yes, so it has firmware in there, has some sort of little tiny computer in there. Uh, I'm going to again, re- again, read from this Mac rumors piece. There is no clear method for updating the MagSafe Duo's firmware, but it needs to be plugged in and connected to an Apple device for a firmware update to initiate. I don't know how it's doing it. How's can, it doing it? I don't know. And apparently you can check your the firmware version. They, they link to this other article that uh, explains how how this works. Um, the, the Where regular is the pucks, data going? It, over the USB-C cable into the tiny computer, you know? Little, little from baby. where though from the from the other apple device <laughs> i don't know no, but you're not connecting it physically right so this to update this it seems like you have to plug the charger into like your laptop or maybe an ipad with something with a USB-C port on it really it's what it seems like who's but, go- but who's gonna do that no one's gonna do that no one nobody's gonna do that no one the uh the existing like the regular plain magsafe charging puck apparently also has firmware you can update this way i mean it's probably not a huge surprise i remember this article years and years ago i'm gonna see if i can find it it was like about the the 30 pin to hdmi adapter maybe they used to sell for like the ipad and how it someone like took it apart yes in 2013 here we go i found it 
Um, Panic did it. Okay. So Panic cracked one of these open and did a blog post explaining the tiny computer inside the, uh, okay, it was the Lightning Digital AV Adapter. Mm-hmm. Just, just amazing. Tiny computers and everything. Mm-hmm. That's what we've learned. So go update your MagSafe Duo charger. <laughs> I should try it and report back. I feel like it's got to do it somehow without a computer being involved in the middle. I don't know how it's doing that, but I feel like it has to do that because otherwise, yeah, I don't know. It's never going to work. Like, who's going to do it? It's like, oh, let me plug my charger into my MacBook. Like, why would anybody do that? You know? I don't know. Zach points out the real problem is the MagSafe Duo is not a cube. That's that's true. This episode of Connected is made possible by Electric. When you're leading a small business, it's not all glamorous. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop that got lost in the mail or dealing with some other technical emergency, which honestly you're probably well equipped to deal with, but you just don't have time anymore. The team over at Electric know that small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's where they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending time sorting through unused application licenses or setting up employee laptops, answering IT questions, you can focus on building your business. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Delegation is key in a small business, the lesson Mike and I have learned over the years. And if you're in this place where you're day-to-day is being interrupted by IT needs, it's time to move on and go check out Electric. In fact, for connected listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash connected. That's electric.ai slash connected for a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the show and Relay FM. So Jason published the Six Colors Report Card for 2022. We're going to talk about it in detail on Upgrade on Monday. We're not going to talk about everybody's responses unless you want to dig into them. What I wanted to talk to you about today was your full answers to the report card because you published them on your website. And so I know that you put a lot of time into these uh, I think much to Jason's chagrin. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was like, what are you doing? How much did you send him? <laughs> how much did you? It was like 2,000 words or something. Uh, let me see. Let me open the post. I Poor can tell Jason. you. I think he literally said in the email, please don't like write an essay. And then you not only did it, you then in Slack were like, ha, I send you thousands of words. Yeah, you know. uh, uh, 2,100 words. Great. I'm sure he was super happy to receive those from you. I'm sorry, Jason. And so I thought we could maybe dig into these a little bit and you could ex- you can explain yourself <laughs> uh, if you want to. Okay. So we'll start out with the Mac. You went five out of five. I kind of summed it up as hardware, the goodness of hardware trumping some of the weird parts of software. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the Apple Silicon transition has been incredibly successful so far, even with some of the weirdness, right? Like, uh, where's the Mac Pro, Apple? What's going on with the big iMac? You know, why is the small iMac still in the M1? Like, there's weirdness there. But despite that, the hardware they've been able to put out, um, I think the, the M2 MacBook Air is, is the highlight of the year. And maybe, honestly the high point in the transition so far it's such a good notebook and 100 percent, i think that's the case like it for me i mean i've said this 
it's my favorite Mac of all time. But I, I, you know, I think maybe the high points would be the Mac Studio or the M2 MacBook Air, right? Of like, mm-hmm. this is what they can do. And I think the MacBook Air is like a, just a bananas good computer. Yeah, it's so, it's so awesome. And so, so yeah, I think on the hardware front, they have definitely been doing very well. Now, it's probably taking longer than they wanted, but the products that end up on the shelves have been all really impressive in their own ways. And I, I just been very pleased with how the transition has gone so far and what they've been able to do with this uh, this platform change. You know, I know that there have been some interesting things in macOS this year, like some good, some weird, Like, but you don't feel that they affect the overall score? Or were you not thinking of macOS too much in your score? No, I think the, the weirdest thing in Ventura is Stage Manager. And like on iPadOS, it's a mode that you can turn on or off. And so you can live your life never knowing that stage manager exists. And look, a lot of people do like it, right? I heard from some people after I published this, like stage manager is awesome. Like if it fits the way you work, that's great. Like I'm, I'm genuinely uh, glad that you have found something that works for you. But uh, clearly I think everyone would agree the stage manager at the very least is a bit odd in places. And, but you know, look, every version of Mac OS, it feels like has something weird that doesn't really go anywhere and kind of sticks mm-hmm. around. And that's fine because you can just keep working the way that you have always worked. So I don't, I don't look at stage manager and Ventura as like a, a big mistake that they're forcing everyone into. I kind of view it like a view Launchpad. Like I personally think Launchpad is silly, but I'm sure the people out there who love it and use it every day. And so Apple giving people options is never a bad thing. So with the iPhone, we went four out of five. Uh, you referenced the dynamic island, the always on display, and lock screen widgets as like a big thing. But you would like to see some some work done in them too. Yeah, I think all of those are a good 1.0. I think there are times that where if you have a lot of things going on, the dynamic island it's kind of a bit confusing, right? So if you have like a podcast playing and you have a timer going and maybe you're using an app to like keep up with a basketball game uh, score, right? Things that I do all the time. It's like, oh, why are these two up there? Where did the third one go? How do I find it again, right? Uh, some of that feels a bit a bit weird. I think in terms of the the lock screen, I think adding the option to to get rid of the wallpaper altogether is good. I think a lot of people, including myself, like that. Um, but the lock screen widgets feel just unnecessarily restrictive in the number you can have and the layout. So, for instance, if you use uh, a large one and two small ones, the large one has to be on the left. It won't put it yeah. on the right. Why? Like, why is that the decision that Apple's forcing on me? What if I want it on the other side? So I'm, I'm, I'm just hopeful that they continue to improve it. But I think as a, a first stab at a always-on display, I really like it. And like I'm using the widgets. And yeah, I've got annoyances about how many I can have and where I can put them. But they have made my iPhone genuinely more useful in day-to-day life. The only way it didn't get a 5 out of 5 for me is I don't think the iPhone 14 strategy, in particular the iPhone 14 Plus, is painting out the way that Apple and we thought it would. I think it's weird that they held on to an older system on a chip. And, you know, Apple will say, you know, the, the pros are the most popular ones, right? And they don't release specifics anymore, but I'd imagine the average selling price is, is pretty high on the iPhone. 
but it feels like they've sort of kneecapped the traditional iPhone line, and I don't like that. I, I hope that they next time around, which my gosh is only in like what, like six months, seven months, uh, that we will see uh, a more balanced iPhone line that, yeah, the pros are always going to have better stuff, but I feel like the system on a chip and the size stuff, like they just, they, it was kind of a swing and a miss this year. That's interesting. So when you do your rankings, you're thinking about the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, because he doesn't call out like iOS and iPad OS and Mac OS, right? So I kind of no. I mean, like your 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 rate in the whole iPhone lineup, not just your experiences with the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Interesting. I I always when I do mine, I'm ranking my personal experiences with the products that I'm using. Hmm. So like, I wouldn't even think about the iPhone Plus being. I mean, I'll probably throw in stuff like. Well, like how, you know, like you mentioned it, I guess we can mention it now, the iPad, the lineup being a mess. I think I would think of that too. But because that's, I think of how that affects me as well. Like I, mm-hmm. I take it more as like a personal thing. If it's like, aside from the, I love the iPad mini, but everything else just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And when Jason leaves it open to interpretation, right? I think that's yeah. one of the, the really smart things about the design of the report card is, he asked all of us basically like pretty simple questions like what would you rank rate the iPhone out of five and give me your thoughts about it. And so people come from different directions. Uh, that's one reason yeah. I love reading it every year. Like every single year it comes mm-hmm. out like that afternoon, I pull my iPad out and read it because it's, it's it's just interesting the way different people approach it. Um, I, also, like we still have lightning. Come on. Come on, USB-C. You can do it. The always on display, mm-hmm. like calling that out, like I think that is that a controversial thing to say that you like? I don't know. Like I mean, I also feel like you you did the thing, right? You turned it off. I turned off locked. the wallpaper. So like mm. my phone right now is on the MagSafe charger. I see the time and some widgets. I see my timery live activity going and a carrot weather sent me notification because it's pouring down rain. I don't see the picture of my wife. But if I pick it up or tap mm. it or, you know, it comes to life, then her photo fades in. Um, mm. That feels like a good balance to me. Yeah, I have the photos. I'm, I'm, I like the photos. Yeah. Again, options are good and not yeah. always something that Apple's great at offering. So I mentioned that you said about the iPad lineup being weird and you gave the iPad a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, where's the bright spots then to get it a three out of five? I, I think the iPad as like a from like a philosophical standpoint is in an interesting place right they've made it more powerful the hardware is really good stage manager i think is a miss and not really delivering the the promises apple made about it but i feel like out in the real world people are pretty happy with ipads and people keep their ipads for a long time and it seems to be pretty well liked and most iPad users, kind of like the other stuff we've talked about, don't really care or about the consternation over Stage Manager because they probably don't have an iPad that can even run it yet, right? Not to open that argument again, not sidestepping that argument for today. Um, but I feel like if we're looking at the iPad in 2022, individually, they're all pretty good products, but as a collective, I don't know what's going on. 
you have the 10th gen iPad, which is probably the best iPad for the money, but it has very weird product decisions within that iPad. Like the pencil and the camera being on the landscape side has a very different keyboard and trackpad setup than the others. And then you have the M2 iPad Pro and the M1 iPad Air. And all three of those are basically the same size, 11-ish inches in size. It reminds me of the problem the Mac had, you know, go back to 2015, 2016, uh, and we talked about it a lot then of like, if you have $1,200 to spend on a Mac laptop, what do you buy? You have the old, you know, pre-retina MacBook Air, you have the one port MacBook and you have the 13 inch MacBook Pro. And it's like, I don't know, like the differences between those are in some ways important and other ways not important at all. And the iPad feels like it's, it's swimming in those same waters. Like there may be something really specific that draws you to the 11 inch iPad pro. Maybe it's, um, the faster refresh rate. Maybe something really pulls you to the 10th generation iPad, probably the price, but collectively looking at it from a strategy perspective, it just feels like something didn't land the way Apple wanted it to, uh, but when you walk into an Apple store, it's confusing. And I think that that hurts its score. I mean, if you had to buy a new iPad today, I know I know you and I are both iPad mini fans, but like if you had to buy a new full-size app, iPad today, what would you buy and why? All right, so this is a very interesting question. Exactly. Would, it should be an easy I, question, but it's not. I mean, I guess the only other iPad that I use is probably the one that I will buy, which is the iPad Air. Like, for, for me... I don't need the iPad, what the iPad Pro does. I don't need it particularly. Which is what? Um, it's I faster at things. And faster. Has. Uh, it has like pencil hover. The big That's one right. has the mini LED display, which is nice, but it's too big. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and it has what, like more capabilities via like Thunderbolt or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, need, I don't need any of that. No, yeah. No one's using that. <laughs> No, so I can so that they would that would go out for me, you know. I would maybe get the iPad. Pro, I would get the smaller iPad Pro if it had the screen technology, right? Mm-hmm. Because then I would get a really good screen in the form factor that I like. But it doesn't have that, so it feels kind of pointless. So I would just I would go iPad Air because uh, I I like the design. I think it's nice. I mean, it's not super different from the original iPad. But it's a little bit bigger, because um, so I use the iPad. Air, I use my iPad Air at home now. We watch like video and stuff on it if we're cooking or whatever, or nice. eating dinner. And, you know, where it was here at the studio, I've taken it home and reused it for that now, and it's it's doing a great job at that stuff. But that's probably the one I would go for. I would I would go for the iPad Air. What would you do? Probably probably the the Air because I like that keyboard and trackpad. Now I don't have experience with the tenth gen. It's keyboard case. Um, you know, I'm not sure my thighs are long enough for the, the kickstand life. Is anybody's really? It's hard mm-hmm. to say. Uh, but it should be clearer, I think. And I'm willing to lay most of that at the feet of like, they haven't been able to do what they wanted to do because, you know, state of the world. But uh, I feel like at some point they need to bring some some clarity to the iPad yeah. line in terms of hardware. Uh, while also continuing to improve iPad OS, and like Federico's talked a lot about this, but like 
Apple just needs to make a decision about what iPad OS is. And they haven't done it. Like they keep punting it down the road of like, oh, it's Mac like in these ways, but it's iPhone like in these other ways. And I don't think it's really clear like where they view the iPad now, let alone 10 years in the future. And so it just, you know, if, if I shake the magic eight ball asking about the future of the iPad, like it comes back, the answer is hazy. And I think that hurts it as a, as an overall platform. Last, uh, no, not last, watch and wearables. Mm-hmm. You went four out of five on both of those. Yeah. You seem like a, obviously a big fan of the Apple Watch Ultra, right? Wearing it right uh, now. Still wearing it, still loving it. And I guess that would put it up for you. Yeah. And I'd forgotten, uh, but obviously you are using and a fan of the AirPods Pro too, where you yeah. hadn't been able to use AirPods Pro before. Yeah. The, the first ones didn't really work for me. The second ones do. They're still not as good of a fit as the AirPods 2, I feel like. Like like yesterday, I went for a long walk after lunch, and like, you know, every once in a while, I got to reach up and like kind of reseat it. But they're not falling out of my ear, so I'm willing to, to put up with it because the sound quality is so good. And um, I've been really just impressed with them as a product. The, the, honestly, the biggest thing coming from the AirPods 2 is that when I open the case, my phone sees it immediately. The old ones is like, is it going to connect and overcast will connect for a second and then drop it or, you know, YouTube or whatever I was trying to, to listen to. Um, so all the wireless stuff is, is a lot better in the newer ones. And I think it's no doubt in anyone's mind that the AirPod family has been extremely successful. Um, mm. I, I really feel like as the world has kind of opened back up after the last couple of years, like if I could just see AirPods everywhere, uh, the Apple watch is there too. I feel like, I feel like the Apple watch is pretty, ubiquitous uh at least uh, amongst you know people who carry iphones like obviously but uh the the airpods have been really successful and i've really enjoyed both the my new watch and my new airpods in, in the months since i've had them um i would like to see apple spend some time on watch os i don't have any specific advice there but Watch OS on the Apple Watch Ultra feels a bit silly at times because it's the same UI just scaled up. And my wife has, what's the small size now? Is it 42, 40? Whatever the smaller of the, the Series 8 is. Uh, Mary's wearing I one always of those. think of it as 38 in my brain, but Me that's too. so wrong now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if I, you know, if she wants me to do something on her watch or show her something or, you know, change a setting and I use that, it's like, oh, this is just like mine, just a smaller window into it. It's 41. 41. Thank you. And uh, so I would like to see them do a better job at that. But honestly, like Mac OS is the same way. iOS, like a- Apple doesn't really seem to change its UIs based on screen size. They did it for a minute with the first yeah. plus size phones. Remember that? Like, oh, you can see faces and messages and you can turn it. And, and landscape. Yeah, on the home screen. Do you remember that? Landscape home screen? Weird times. Right? I, like, I don't remember that. I remember apps being in landscape. Yeah, it's for a minute. A thing you can only do. The lock screen would turn as well. I think that's gone mm. too, but uh, it's fine. You know, the other Apple Watches are like, they're fine. It, the Apple Watch is at a point now where you don't have to upgrade year over year. I think that was a much bigger deal early on. But again, that's just how these things go. The iPhone's the same way, right? The average lifespan of an iPhone, and especially an iPad, 
has gotten longer over time as these devices have gotten better. So yeah, the eight's kind of a boring update over the seven, but if you have a four or five, the series eight is awesome. It adds all the stuff you don't have. And so uh, I think, I think it's time that we change our thinking about the Apple watches. This is a buy it every three to four year type product for most consumers. And I think that's totally fine. You know, you're saying about the, like the, the small watch being like a, like a small window and the same thing. It, it, it's like funny to me that they didn't really do anything to take advantage of the huge screen size that you have on yours, yeah. right? Like it's just bigger. Mm-hmm. Like it is really weird that they, they added some functionality, but there wasn't really any work put into the overall operating system to make it feel like it was a home on, on the larger display, as you're saying, like they, you know, they used to, and they don't really do that anymore anymore but they could and they should because there are experiences that could be unlocked i guess you do get a slightly roomier keyboard you know it's nice nice for you i suppose yeah uh the keyboard is probably the best (laughs) the best use of the bigger size it's actually usable Mm -hmm. on the ultra um the only thing I i would just wrap up in this section is the question over the future of the AirPods Max. I didn't write about this because honestly, I didn't think about it when doing it, but I thought about it after the fact. There's no wireless Apple audio product that supports their higher end codec. And we thought that AirPods Max may be it. And you go, oh, you get lossless with it. Maybe that's still coming. Uh, the, Air- the AirPods Max also has Apple's uh, one of their worst cases ever designed. I compared it to the first generation iPad case. Remember that thing had like sharp edges. It was terrible. Oh <laughs> my God. Yeah. 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 So uh, I hope that that product, even though I don't use it, I don't, that doesn't work Wait, for me. Was that the one where you had to remove it from the case? Like it, or it was really hard to get off It was off very or hard to take yeah. it out of the case. I'm going to try to yeah. find a, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I searched first generation iPad case and that's a lot of things, uh, but it was not good. And no. they, you know, they remedied it with the smart cover, which is basically what we still have today because that was a genius idea. Man, that was so good when that came out. Um, Do you know what I was reminded of the other day? Do you remember the Evernote peak feature? Oh yeah. It was like for studying or something. You could have it as like flashcards and you would... You'd have that app open and you'd close the smart cover and you'd pull down the top part and you could see the question and then you pull down yeah. the second part and you get the answer. Yeah. Man, that was clever. That was, that was when Evernote were like doing cool good stuff. stuff before they did all the like, like all the weird business card app and their cooking app and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Do you think Evernote will add uh, chat GPT? <laughs> they probably can't I afford expect it. <laughs> they probably have already tried to do some. Yeah. Well, they did. AI I thing. remember people got mad, including me, where at the bottom of your note, it would include links to like media sources mm-hmm. based on the contents of your note. So, like, if your note was about uh, car repair, like, so I have a note of like maintenance on my truck, right? So, like, if I change the oil, I go in there and put the mileage in and the date and all that sort of stuff. If that were an Evernote, then at the bottom would be like a New York Times article about car maintenance. It's like, that's not cool. But, you know, now we just accept it because AI is here to stay, potentially. This episode of Connected is also made possible by Clean My Mac X. Look, we all want our Macs to be in their tip-top shape. We rely on them for work, education, everything in between, fun. You know, uh, the Mac is important to all of us. And... 
Clean My Mac X is a, an excellent tool to help your machine help you better. It's the ideal decluttering app for Mac OS that can keep things running in tip-top shape. Clean My Mac X is one of those apps that has been running my Mac for a long time. I love how it looks, and I love all the features that it brings. A lot of the stuff, maintenance stuff, you can do with other utilities. You can kind of cobble things together and like, oh, I got some scripts to do this, and I got this other app that does this, and a terminal command to do these other things. Clean Mac X puts it all under one roof and it makes it really easy to manage what's going on on your Mac. And in fact, it has 29 total tools built in. These prevent the most common issues Mac users have. Uh, they have a malware detection tool in there, which is important. That That's an issue that Mac users do face. Uh, can prevent, uh, you know, your SSD getting filled up because it, it surfaces hidden junk folders, speeds up performance, all of these things built right in. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple. It's been checked for security. It won a Red Dot Award for the best design Mac app in 2021. In the free version of Clean My Mac X, you have a free menu app to check on your Mac's health. Look, it's been around for 14 years. They basically invented Mac cleaning. All connected listeners will get 5% off. Check out the link in the show notes or go to macpaw.app. That's M-A-C-P-A-W, macpaw.app slash connected. Again, the link is in the show notes. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for the support of Connected and Relay FM. You gave the Apple TV a three out of five. Mm-hmm. How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. TVOS. <laughs> what? Why? What's wrong with it? I don't understand. The box is expensive and overkill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a bug going on right now that like your Apple TV remote will just stop talking to your Apple TV sometimes, which I have that problem, and you can like reboot everything and it comes back to life. Everyone needs private space sometimes, you know, even TV remotes. You just take right. a little break from people. Yeah. yeah, you're stuck using your... The, the TV remote is an introvert, all right? What do you want? I know. I'm sorry. I'm an introvert too. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, TVOS itself just feels really stagnant. It just... It's much more about the content than the OS, but Apple can't land the content stuff either, right? Because like Netflix Correct. and others don't play ball with Apple's user interface. And mm-hmm. the result of that is sort of a, a disjointed experience on tvOS where some content, some content providers feel like they have special treatment because they're in the TV app and others are siloed off into their own you know, applications. And it's not just Netflix. I think that's the biggest example, but there's others that, that also don't play with the system. Yeah. And it's really just Netflix. Like I know what you mean, but like, that's the one that matters. It's the one that the matters. Most. Yeah. It's the, it's the big one. And so I don't know how Apple solves that. Clearly they haven't been able to, but I am hopeful they still can. I think it would improve the experience if all content kind of worked the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I did not include uh, Apple TV Plus in this. I included it in services, so we can talk about that in a minute, I guess. But from a hardware software perspective, the Apple TV just still feels like too little for too much money. And look, I've got one. I've got a 4K one. I have the new Siri remote. And like, it is TV in our house. Like That's how we watch anything is through Apple the Apple TV. And while I would replace it if it died... I would be uh, cranky about how much it cost. So let's talk about services. Yes. Talk, tell me about your TV, TV Plus experience. I am so 
both surprised, but also really pleased at honestly how good TV plus is. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of good content there. They've hired good people. And I know they're not making all the content like very famously. Ted Lasso isn't <laughs> a, a, an Apple TV production, right? It's, is it WB who does, who does Ted Lasso? Uh, yeah, it's the, Ted Lasso is a very weird duck. It's like there's everyone's got a hand on this one. It's a very strange um, relationship. But let's just say for the for the sake of it, yes, it's Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's not a, an Apple original. Original, no, like some of the others are. And and there's some duds, right? There's some stuff that I think uh, I've, I definitely haven't sampled at all. But there's definitely some stuff that's better than others. But overall. If, if you asked three years ago, Stephen, like, do you think Apple's going to be good at making their own TV content? I'd be like, Ooh, I don't know about that. But they've done a good job and they've they've clearly spent the money with the right people to make that make that possible. I think I might be right in saying this. No TV shows that they are currently airing are actually, quote unquote, Apple original content. OK, like. That is a thing that they are working on, right? That they set up like Apple Studios and they will be producing their own. But like it's all got some production company tied into it that's not them. So they, you know, and that will always be a mix of that. But they will also want to be able to like completely home grow a thing. So they have ultimate control over it rather than just green lighting something. Okay. In terms of the other services... The other highlight for 2022, I think, was iCloud Photo for families, right? The shared photo library stuff. Mary and I are all in on that. There's definitely some details that I don't like about how it works, mostly the lack of albums. Uh, I love my wife. She won't hear this, but I love her very much. Uh, she she just has it on all the time. So like I open mm-hmm. photos, and it'll be a bunch of photos that she's taken like that shouldn't be in the family photo library, right? They're like stuff for school or, you know, cause she's a teacher, like stuff. That- I forget though too, right? I, I'm, I am guilty of this. Oh, I like, do it too. I've been taking product photography recently and it's like, oh, you know, does not need all of this. Yeah. Like, you know how many photos yeah. I have of iPods? Thousands. That's true. And, uh, That's true. and, and there's a, I think it's a good limitation, but I would like to have it lifted where I can't force something back into her personal library. Only she can. So like once a week, I just like find her iPad around the house and like select a bunch of photos and move them back oh. to her personal library. So, uh, so because I know there's a thing, but I can only move mine, huh? I That's can right. only remove my photos from the shared library. I can't remove. Uh, oh, interesting. You can delete them, but you can't push them back into her personal library. Right. Oh, yeah. Interesting. The big miss for me in the services continues to be Apple News. I pay for Apple One because for the iCloud storage we need. And paying for like TV and music, Apple One is the same cost, so I just pay for Apple One. About every three months, I'd look at that and like, is that right? And sure enough, it is. I don't really use Apple News very much unless someone sends me an Apple News link. Uh, I got people in my life who are big Apple News users, so I do get sent links there pretty often. But they have the worst ads on the web. It's not as bad as like, you see sometimes at the bottom of like local news stories, and it's like, I ate blueberries for a year and lost 100 pounds, right? It's not that sort of garbagey ads. But I pay for Apple One. Like it should be either ad free or it should be uh, ads that don't interrupt the stories the way they do and just higher quality stuff. And that, that's frustrating to me. I, I know there are people out there who really do love Apple News, but out of everything they offer, it feels like the the weak spot, and it feels like it's been the weak spot for a long time. Where are these ads 
coming from, though? Who's, whose ads are they? I, I don't know. Because I reckon these are the publisher's ads, but your ad blocker doesn't work, so you're... Maybe. This isn't something that you're used to seeing, but this is just what the web looks like, Stephen. Yes, it is. Yeah, but like even in like the news plus section, right, where you can go mm-hmm. in and you can get magazines and stuff. Like it's just it, none of it feels as as solid as it should. I think. No, I mean I don't understand why it needs to exist personally. Like I don't use it. I think I uninstall it from all my devices because I just don't want it, and I never want to be accidentally taken there when I go to a link. I just want it to open in the web somewhere. But the rest of the services seem pretty solid, and uh, so I felt like a, a four out of five was pretty uh, pretty reasonable. Home, you gave it a three out of five. Part of this is the weirdness over the architecture update, which I ran because I was like, oh, new home architecture, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I've had no problems. Like Things still work, so I don't know what the issues were there. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like all in all, it's been it's, HomeKit continues to be sort of in a wait-and-see mode now i use it exclusively like all my smart home stuff is in HomeKit. uh matter is slowly rolling out i feel like every week or two there's a an, an article out there that some you know company moving to matter but we don't really that's a promise not yet fulfilled is what i would say we don't really know what that's going to be like yeah and yep. the home app is better but not as useful as it could be. It just feels like there's a lot of stuff in HomeKit or the Home app that you just don't really have insight into what's actually happening. Like if something doesn't do what you expect, remedying that is really difficult to understand. Like maybe you just reboot it. Or like our our friend Dan Seifert at The Verge uh, had a, a post this morning on Mastodon about... Like his HomeKit stuff works as long as the Apple TV is on wireless and not plugged into Ethernet. It's like... Why? Why is that the case? And like the leaps and the things he had to go through to figure that out, it just is just silly. And so I hope that as smart home stuff becomes more and more the norm, that Apple can continue to flesh out the home app and home kit to be more useful in situations where things don't work as expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you have any thoughts on, uh, like or did hardware or home hardware like factor into the score at all, or did you not bother with that? Not really, because Apple doesn't make any of their own. Like you can get almost anything that works with HomeKit now, which is fantastic. I mean, the last year I added a garage door opener. You helped me with it, thank you, uh, and a gate opener. And like, there's more and more stuff in there. But I really was just kind of looking at like what Apple itself has done over the last year. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, you're not grading it on things it didn't that they didn't do necessarily. Right, like could they do more to make it easier for other types of manufacturers to bring stuff to HomeKit? Yeah, I'm sure they could. Five out of five on hardware reliability. I mean, look, there's no butterfly keyboard. Apple's really good with aluminum and glass. Like, <laughs> uh, you can get parts for the self service repair program. Like, I got no complaints. Uh, I mean, hmm. when's the last time I had a hardware issue with an Apple product that wasn't caused by me dropping it? I don't even know. It's been a long time. And software? Not that I drop things. That's that's unusual for me. The hardware is reliable as long as you can keep it in your hands. That's right, yeah. <laughs> software quality, three out of five. This is sort of a death by a thousand cuts for me. I, I opened my comments to Jason's like, I haven't had a kernel panic or like an Apple application crash on a regular basis in a long time. Freeform is a very 1.0. You know, we've talked about that other places. 
for me, it's really the score of this is in the details. Like the example I, I quoted was the mismatch of features found in Mac and iOS versions of reminders. Or when you open your Mac, you know, your notebook after a weekend and messages still struggles to catch up with iCloud. Right. It's like they said they fixed that, but they still fall out of sync. The one I'm currently seeing. So the group text that we have with Federico and One True John, we change the name of it every once in a while. Yeah. And my iPhone in the share sheet refuses to see the new name that we have it set to. It sees the old one. Huh. I don't know why. I can't seem to fix it. It just seems stuck. It's those little things that none of them are showstoppers. None of them are all that bad in and of themselves. Uh-huh. But as Apple has spread its software organization to be bigger and to move faster, I feel like a lot of the details uh, get missed or get just the bare minimum of attention. And that's that's a bit frustrating. Uh, you also like referenced system settings here, which you did not reference in the, the Mac part. Yeah. In, when it came to software. Yeah. And I really put it here because I used it as an example of Swift UI not really being where it needs to be yet. And Mm -hmm. Apple is pushing on that and they want developers to use it. And a lot of our developer friends are using a lot of it now. But the overall messiness, especially on the Mac of you have Cocoa apps, you have Catalyst apps, you have Swift UI apps. They look and run differently and do Mm -hmm. different things. I I just don't, it's, it's one of the only transitions I feel like Apple's ever had where we don't know what their plan is. Uh, there was some of this in the carbon to cocoa thing back in the day where the carbon was going to go 64 bit and then it didn't and people freaked out. But outside of that, like with the Apple Silicon transition, the hardware transitions, we know where they're going, right? It's like, hey, uh, we're putting an M1 in the MacBook Air and in two years we're going to be done. And with this, it's very open ended. And at WBDC in 22, they did say like the best way to make apps is with Swift and Swift UI, like putting their flag in the ground. This is what you should be doing, but we don't know how long that's going to take. And the tools and the UIs move so slowly that if you have like a, a big bad bug in Swift UI, you're lucky if it, if it gets fixed within the year cycle, usually it takes the next full version of the OS and that messiness and confusion muddies the water when it comes to Mac software and Apple really needs to bring some clarification to that. And so I didn't, that was sort of a bigger thing than just system settings. So I put it here, but who knows? Developer relations on a two out of five. Yeah. You you noted the app store ads issue, Mm -hmm. the kind of vice grip on the 30%, but it was bumped up by there being a WWDC. I think having people back, was a big deal for the developer community. Apple's developer center is like a physical promise to communicate better. Again, like we don't know how well that's going because I assume if you go there, you're under NDA. It's like, I don't know what they're actually doing in that building. I know it's a beautiful building. I enjoyed getting a tour of it, but at the very least they're making efforts there. They've also done the ask Apple Q and A's in Slack and are, they are communicating better with developers if it comes between a better business deal and better communication, I think developers would be pretty divided on what they would prefer. There's still obviously the issue I didn't quote it here, but I know our friend Casey has talked about it a lot in terms of the documentation 
and the lack of documentation around a lot of their APIs and frameworks, like that's still an ongoing issue. Apple needs developers on their team, right? Like the App Store is extremely successful in the iPhone and iPad, mm-hmm. but moving forward, if we're talking about a new platform, you know, entering the scene this year, like Apple needs to incentivize developers to build for it. And Apple, especially the App Store ad thing, burned so much goodwill with developers over something so stupid and ultimately relatively meaningless when it comes to their bottom line, it was sort of shocking to me that that it, it went down the way that it did. And they can't make those boneheaded decisions when it comes to developers forever. When it comes to like, hey, you got to move your code base to Swift UI, or we really like you to write something for our headset or, you know, whatever it is, like they need developers to be on the same team and Apple seems to take them as a, as a rough, large community, take them for granted more than I think they should. And that's a bummer. It is. Uh, you also referenced the uh, social impact as a three out of five. Yeah, I think the environmental stuff is a big deal. And they, they seem to be doing a really remarkable work there and like using recycled materials and moving to green energy and all of those things. I feel like some of the more nitty gritty stuff, um, especially the back and forth they've had over return to work plans, um, knowing people at Apple who got caught up in that is terrible. And Apple changed their minds a bunch of times and different teams do it different ways. And it seems like a lot of people who work at Apple feel like their voices haven't been heard when it comes to return to work. And uh, that's been really hard, I think, for the organization. Apple's situation in China is more complicated than ever, right? And and I'm definitely not an expert on it. I would say that people like Ben Thompson are, (laughs) but they seem willing to make concessions in areas so they can continue to keep their uh, manufacturing moving forward. And we saw at the very end of the year, we've seen it some in this calendar year as well, them looking to move some manufacturing out of China but the reality is that's going to be the the base of it for a long time. And the rest of the supply chain, right? Like you may manufacture the Mac Pro in Texas, but all of its parts come from factories in China. If, if Apple can even unwind that, uh, it would take a long time. And I don't know if they want to unwind it. And I think that's just a very complicated, like in a way, Apple in China feels like a ticking time bomb, like something is going to happen. Tim Cook very deftly managed that under the Trump administration, but there are bigger issues that need to be addressed. And again, I'm not an expert there, but it just feels like, and it seems like from reading smarter people than me on this, that their position is not the strongest there. And what they say about certain societal impacts and privacy and human rights and all that stuff that they're willing to maybe look the other way when it comes to China. And that's, uh, that is something they need to address. And I think that at the end of the day, when Tim Cook steps down, right, whenever he retires, that all of the growth he brought to Apple, and honestly, a lot of the good that has come out of Apple in this social and societal impact stuff, they've made great strides, things that never would have happened before Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but think that his relationship, deep relationship with China, will be a, a stain on that. If you can't work it out first. If you can't work it out first. Because it is one of those like weird situations where like Apple would not be where it is without China. 
Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been able to do it. Like so. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, he's benefited from it so far, but what, is he going to do anything about it to try and balance that better? Like that's that's the trillion dollar question, right, for them going into the next few years. It's interesting that you put the uh, return to work stuff in here. I, I didn't really consider that. I didn't think about it, but that's a really good. I think that's a really good place to to put a comment on that here. That it felt like Apple were not doing what a lot of other tech companies were. Mm-hmm. And even though it seems like a lot of them have actually rolled those plans back now, um, they at least weren't willing to even try it, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just the back and forth. That, And look, I, I get it. I don't envy making those decisions in any company. If there's anything I've been thankful for over the last three years, <clears throat> it's that Relay was 100% remote, <laughs> that we didn't have to deal with these issues, right? Because we all do our own thing. We didn't have to have the conversations like, when do we have our host come back to the studio, right? We don't have any of that stuff. So I appreciate that it's difficult. I appreciate that, especially Apple's culture being what it is. You know, Craig Federighi said it, I think, with Gruber at WBC. He said at some point of like, we're better together, that we... We work together. We want to be together. That is, I can tell you for a fact, not reflected by everybody who works at Apple. And the people who don't agree with that have, have had a really hard time with it. And that's that's tough. And I think that it, it undermines some of the other things they do. So that's 2022, baby. All done. All done. Do it again next year, Jason. It's a lot of fun to be a part of. Maybe then I'll speak for Jason and say, don't send 2,000 words next year. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring it in. He caught me on a good day. You know, it came pouring out of me. Maybe I'll just write all uh, all haikus next year. I think that would be nice, you know? It'd be fun. Especially if you did it in a way where it wasn't obvious, right? Mm. Like you want, you didn't make a thing out of it and just see if, see how many of them would be printed and how many people would notice. <laughs> uh, Jason is talking to us in Slack. <laughs> He said, I'll just cut them and you have a free blog post. <laughs> That's true, too. I'll be giving my uh, my scores on upgrade. Looking forward to that. And I, I keep my I keep my list. Yeah. And Federico did, too. In fact, he and I published ours at the same time unknowingly. Yeah. I published mine and then I opened Reader. And the first thing was his. I was like, oh, whoops. Like, we did it at the same time. But go read Federico's as well. And considering Jason's listening right now i will tell him the thing that i was going to send him in slack after today which is jason think about your scores because i'm going to be asking what your scores would be to do it on upgrade well i think that uh i think that does it this week if you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 436 there's a submit feedback button there so if you have feedback or follow up for the show please submit it there uh, you can we'll also filefeedback.com or longthigh.social. <laughs> That's what I should have used on <laughs> Macedon. Dang it. <laughs> you see, but this is what I was saying earlier, right? Like, I didn't want to come up with a fun thing and then, like, six months later, now I need another fun thing and then just go on forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. You can also become a member. Uh, if you join Connected Pro, you get longer ad-free versions of the show each and every week. You get access to Relay's member-only Discord, a couple of members-only podcasts, lots of awesome stuff for Relay FM members. Uh, so go join Connected Pro. A lot of people really enjoy it. And I think you would too. You can find us online. Federico is not here, but he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. He should be back next week. 
Uh, you can find on the venom. You know the venom of the, the ISP snake. The the ISP snake. Yeah. Got him. Which is possible. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's terrible. Federico's fine. He'll be back next week. Well, you I mean, can, we don't know. I we mean, don't know if he's fine. We'll really never promise tomorrow, anyways. Exactly. Any episode so, could be the last episode. We should. Yeah. So thanks for listening. <laughs> Maybe we'll be back <laughs> next week. Be it. We'll be back this next could week. Be it. Yeah. Uh, you can find Mike online. He's on the Don at Mike. I'm on the Don, baby. Come on. Come uh, on down to the Don. Mike's also the co-founder of Cortex Brand. You can learn more at cortexmerch.com. You can find me on the Don at eworld.social. Uh, more importantly, I write 512pixels.net and co-host Mac Power Users here on Relay FM every Sunday afternoon. Do you ever think that, like, let's imagine that the Don lasts, right? Mm-hmm. That the Don is, is still donning, you know, in like 10 years. Yeah, Mega Don at that but, point, like, really. At that point, will more people know of know of you as eWorld than uh, Apple? Maybe. Right? Like, real, realistically, how many people remembered that or like, know what that is now that you've done it? And so, like, at a certain point, when are you eWorld and then what happens? Uh, I don't know where I am in the ending. I just think our sponsors, they are Indeed, Electric, and Clean My Mac X. Links to all those fine companies are in the show notes. And until next week, Mike, say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all.